hateful to me as the gates of Hades is the man who hides one thing in his heart and speaks another. This is the Yoakum Strength Podcast with me, your host, Austin Yoakum, and producer Marcus Sasson behind the scenes. This quote leads us into our guest today, the one, the only, intern lock and read, baby. Let's go. On this podcast, we talk about workhorse training and what that means to lock in, how he took the intern experience this summer and kind of molded it into what he's doing now at Gus Davis Soccer. And he answers the question, why does the world need another strength coach? This was an awesome podcast, and I'm really looking forward to having Lockin on multiple times throughout our careers as we kind of progress and push forward. I really hope you guys get something out of this podcast. I know I did, and I know we kind of explored some ideas, and that's kind of what this summer was like with Lockin and the deep thinking that he has and the outside approach to sports performance. And it's really cool to see and talk to another person like that that is able to take the step back from training, take the step out of the world of sports performance and really look at the bigger picture, really look at a different way to approach it to reach the same and goal of glory. Thank you guys for listening. Before we hit the intro music, I wanted to introduce to you guys the Yoakum Strength Insider. The Yoakum Strength Insider is our online training platform that takes all of the ideas that we talk about on this podcast and implements them into a program that is available to you at the touch of your fingers. Our goal with the Yoakum Strength Insider is to create better movers, to level up your life, and to move forward from where you are. We do this in a holistic fashion. Not only will you receive a program that has helped hundreds of people become better movers, you'll also receive access to our app that allows you to track everything, has video links for all exercises, and allows you to be in constant communication with the Yoakum Strength Coach. Along with this, you'll get our 30-page PDF Nutrition and Lifestyle Guidelines, That includes everything from what to eat, how much of it to eat, why we're eating it, meditation habits, and other lifestyle habits that we implement with our clients to really level up their lives. If you're interested in trying out one of these programs, use Podcast 25 in the discount section right before you pay for 25% off your first program. Marcus, you know what time it is. Hit that intro music. Boom. This is the Yoakum Strength Podcast. Take the leap down the rabbit hole with us as we interview elite level guests to unravel what high performance really is. All right, well, Lachlan, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Happy to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to have you here. Uh, so we just got done with a full, full summer internship with you. Uh, people uh, have been the athletes have been missing you the last couple of days. They always ask about locking. We did uh we did an arm farm yesterday and it was, we did, I made them do a two minute bicep ISO for their arm <laughs> farm and they were pissed. So like, we need locking back. <laughs> yeah, that's not arm farm. That's just, that's just an ISO. We don't do that. Yeah. That's what they said. They're like, this is, this is just bullshit. They're like, this is just another way for you to, to get us to do ISOs. They're like, we need, we need some uh, single arm pressure curls. There we go. That's what we need. Yeah. 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 So, Jared was telling the, the, the soccer guys about the lock and arm farm. So now they're now the soccer guys at Gustavus are asking me for arm farm. It's like, is that really going to be like my big thing? Like, that's not like what I want to be known for is the number one thing, but that's all right. As, as a side effect, I guess. The, the glaze becomes locked yeah. as number one thing. How, how have the soccer boys, uh, have, have you ran them through a arm farm yet? Honestly, no. Um, it's mostly been lower body. A lot of, a lot of ISOs actually, they, they've been enjoying those. We've done like, we've done like one tricep exercise, but for the most part, it's just been a lot of like athletic movements and jumps and lower body work. But once, once they, once they show me, they're like, once, once they show me they're pretty good at the other things, then we'll probably hop into some more fun things like that. Where once, once they enjoy the lifting more, cause I got to like introduce them to like enjoying lifting first. And then hopefully they'll enjoy the arm farm. Cause in soccer, like, do you need an arm farm? Probably not, but it's fun and it gets them engaged. So we will probably mix in at some point. They, they got to earn it a little bit. That, that's the thing. Yeah. I can't, it's not the, it's not a first day thing. That's like a middle of the season, bring, bring their energy up, do curls for a half hour. I love it. So. We are, I don't know about officially, but officially, unofficially, we are the youngest strength coach in the MIAC right now. Absolutely. Maybe the nation. In the nation, probably, honestly. Um, Matt, uh, the Circadian man, he he has the claim to fame. Uh, he, I think he was a division one strength coach by like 21. So I think he owns both of us. He makes he makes sure to remind me of that. So <laughs> shout out Circadian man out there. Um, he, he's the real OG with this. But currently, I think we are, the, are 19 years old. Yeah. 19 years old. The strength coach of the Gustavus soccer team. and. 
you just got done with the internship. I kind of want to cover like your journey to become the youngest strength coach in the MIAC, possibly the nation. We're going to put an asterisk next to that just so we don't get yelled at, but possibly in the nation, the youngest strength coach in the nation. What has the journey been like to get there, Logan? Yeah, for sure. So my life revolved around hockey growing up. That was like always my big thing. And so my earliest memories revolve around hockey. I was talking to my dad yesterday. He said that, I, so I have a younger brother. He's two years younger than me. He's still playing. And he said, the first thing I ever said to my brother was, do you want to play hockey? <laughs> the first day he came home, that was the first thing I was on my mind. So that just, that kind of shows that's where I started. It was hockey. And when I first got into training, it was like just doing hundreds of push-ups in my basement and then going to shoot pucks to prepare for the sport. And so that was, I, mean, I want to say like, like lower elementary school. I was already into that, like with my dad. And I just, I have the memories of, I always enjoyed the preparation more than like the actual performance. Like I would enjoy practice more than games. I would enjoy the training and shooting pucks more than actually playing in a game. And so that kind of led me down the road of trying to learn more about training, connecting with people, trying to get better at hockey through training. And so that, that, that turned me to lifting weights with my dad at LA fitness, learning how to do all the basic lifts, mostly bodybuilding stuff, but it was a great foundation. Um, after that, I got uh, involved with this coach named Jack Blatherwick, who was the strength and conditioning coach or just off ice trainer for like the 1980 miracle on ice team who won the gold medal. And so he was, he's a huge influence in my life, both in, um, my, I guess training philosophy, but also he was the first guy who I saw where I realized like, this is something I can do as a career, like something you, you can take your life in the direction of training athletes and working with players. Like this is something I could put my life towards. And so that was my first introduction to that. And as I was playing hockey throughout high school, I kind of just fell out of love with it. And looking back on it now, I, I, I think it's mostly just, I took it too much as a job. And that was partly because I think I just didn't have like the meaning for it. Like I, my number one goal in life was playing the NHL. Like that's the end point. Everything has to be going towards playing in the NHL. And that's such a quantitative finish line that I never really questioned, like, why do I want to play in the NHL? Like, why, why does that matter to me? And it was just like, I never got past that simple fact. I never looked at why I want to do that. And that just kind of led me into this like cycle of insanity where I would just be training and training and training. And there was no there was no goal before that. It was such a far off quantitative end line that I never, I never felt like satisfied, I guess. And so I just, it just turned to a job, fell out of love with it. And so I'm taking that experience and trying, almost trying to do the opposite with my strength and conditioning, coaching, training career. And that the goals I have now are not quantitative. They're not end goal. I don't have a goal. Like I want to be a division one coach. I want to own my own gym. I don't have any of that. It's I want to work with people, show them the joy and beauty and movement and training and help them become better humans. And wherever I do that, I'm happy with. And so I feel like having a more qualitative goal is it's working out much better for me because I I'm, I've got this job, like you mentioned, that's going well. And so that's like where I, where I see myself toward that's what I'm working towards. But as like other things I've, other things I've done, I've worked with my old high school hockey team, their summer training program. That's been a huge huge for me because I've done that for the past three years and working with like 40 guys in a small weight room that teaches you a lot of how to organize a training session, how to communicate, how to talk loudly, how to talk efficiently because kids have short attention spans. I can't be talking for a long time. I got to say three buzzwords, let them go and then just see what happens. Um, my internship with you this summer was awesome. There is not an adjective in, in the dictionary that can describe how good it was, but, um, the way I connected to you was through Jake Tura. I was just a few years ago. I saw he was in Minneapolis on Instagram. I DM'd him on Instagram, asked if he wanted to come and lift in the garage. He came with his friend Al, and uh, Jake and Al, legend. I, I learned, yeah, Al. And so I learned pretty quickly that lifting with Jake means first you got to find a basketball court. So we had to walk about a mile to a basketball court, watch him dunk for a half hour because like. I was like a junior in high school. I still can't, I, I'm not even close to dunking now. I was, even, I was even farther from dunking then. So it was just like me missing three pointers while Jake dunks for a half hour, then go to the garage. And we, we did arms that time. So obviously arm farm with Jake then. But the second time he came, he showed up at like 9 p.m. to the garage and he just takes the whiteboard and writes uh, squat five rep max, RDL five rep max, chin up five rep max, floor press five rep max. 
I'm like, oh, so we're gonna we're gonna kind of send it today. This is how this is how Jake rolls. And so through Jake, got connected to you, had an awesome experience working through this summer, and now I'm here at Gustavus, uh, strength conditioning coach for the men's soccer team, having an awesome time with them. I can't wait to get to talk more about that uh, later on, but um, yeah, that's where I am right now. That is the most Jake workout ever. I know it's so bad. <laughs> the first day he showed up to uh, the dungeon, uh, we had podcasted in that. That was the exact workout we did. It was a five rep max squat, five rep max searcher into a five rep max RDL. Goddamn, <laughs> I'm on that. And then we had a, I think the three exercises, five rep max searcher, five rep max RDL. And then we hit 100 pound ISO lunges as long as we could. <laughs> I'm never hanging out with this guy again. And it continues to happen. Every time I hang out with him, I get tricked into it. I'm like, oh God. Um, I want to dive into a little bit take this a little bit different routes is the, the preparation over performance. Cause yeah. that is something that I have found myself and it's still kind of the work in progress. Something that I'm working on is falling in love with that preparation piece. It seems like every strength coach is in love with the preparation is why we are strength coaches. You know, like we are in love with the process and the art of becoming better of, of working on that, but you have to balance that with the performance thing. Cause I was the same way, man. Like I, I, the, I loved lifting, and I loved football for the fact that I could lift and I was good at lifting. And I mean, it helped in transition on the field. But I was never really in love with the sport. I was never really in love with So I mean, I couldn't say, shouldn't say I wasn't in love with the game because you, you walk out in front of like 30,000 people and they like, you, that's hard not to be in love with. But I, I was definitely more in love with the training, way more in love with that Tuesday lift than that Tuesday practice. And interested in how you are going about, because this is what has shifted my mindset is when I, I noticed that it was like, all right, I need to find a, almost find a way to be more in love with performance so I can engage more with the athletes and make it more realistic. Cause I, what was the big eye opener for me? was, I, I was like, I can't have 11 of me on the field. Like it's not going to be good for the fucking it's team. It's you have to find a way to get the guys that are in love with performance in love with preparation without losing their love for performance in a sense and getting the guys that are like you and my, me that were in love with the preparation in love with performance. Have you thought about like any ways of how you were working on that or how you kind of want to go about that? Yeah, for sure. And so, yeah, like I, I totally agree with what you said. Like the reason why I'm a strength coach at 19 and why I'm not playing hockey still is because I like the preparation more. Like if, if I was in love with performance, I'd still be playing. And so I'm trying, I mean, part of it is that I'm, tr I'm almost trying to steer the athletes I work with away from who I am because I want them to love performance in the sport. And like, I want them to have a little bit of that love for the preparation. But if I let them become obsessed with lifting and they just want to come in and squat heavy and like not, and then like not really care about the sport afterwards, like, I don't think I'm doing my job at all. Like my job is not to make them better at lifting or to make them like lifting. Like I want them to enjoy the session. Sure. But I want them to see that this is that the training we do is just, it's, it's expanding their capacity to improve on the field or on the ice or wherever that is. And so the way I, the way I would actually do that is um, first, I, I recognize, I try to recognize who are the best players on the team. And generally there's going to, there's going to be um, people who aren't in this category, but for the most part, the best players in the field, from my experience are usually not the best weight room warriors. And so I'm trying to talk to them, see what, what makes them tick see like try and watch them through the workout. What are they good at in the weight room? What do they enjoy in the weight room? And then try and almost steer the training session towards that. Because if I can try and mimic what the best players are doing and let the not so, not so good players try and follow in their footsteps a little bit, we'll probably get closer to that loving performance over preparation. And I think this does kind of lead into something we were talking about before the podcast, like the, what is training? Like, is it all day? Is it one hour? And so with me, I feel like the preparation aspect is all the time and performance is all the time. You're always preparing for something, but at the same time, that preparation is a performance. And so it's this paradox that I'm like kind of struggling with because I'm trying to like put this into words. But if you're constantly preparing for a performance, there's no endpoint. That means that walking through a park and the national championship game are the same because they're both preparation for something after. And so I feel like with this, I'm almost like overanalyzing it and I'm not just like letting athletes be athletes, but it's something that I'm enjoying thinking about is like, how do you make that distinction between preparation and performance? If at the end of the day, they're the same thing. And it's just, it's based on the interpretation of the individual, I guess, and like their viewpoint. 
But that's something I don't really know how to implement with a team either. Is like I don't want to have this discussion with a team because it's it's going to take a while, and I don't want to get in their heads too much, and I don't want to take away time from things that are probably making them better. It's just it's about finding the tools in the weight room that can allow them to find their meaning. I want to say like give them give them this tool, give them this prompt, pretty much, and let them run with it. Well, and, and so. I think- that's, that's what the, the podcast a little bit as far as be able to like work out these ideas because yeah, that just that's, triggered. That's like, I don't have an answer to this right now. Yeah, I'm and not, I don't either. That's why I think it's a it's a uh, good you, you triggered is like the walk in the park and the national championship game are both preparing you for something later. And yeah. it, it, like that just triggered my head, like the the yin, yin and yang approach of like you need to be present, but almost like in present and enjoy. Like you you want to enjoy that walk in the park and understand like that is also training. Like you you can do it in a hard way. You can understand and be in that moment and be super present and understand that's going to help later in life. But you can also do the same thing in the national championship game, being in the moment, enjoying, understanding like, wow, like I am here. This is amazing in this national championship game. But you also have the the other side of that. It's like you don't want to be too far in the moment where it's like messing you up. Uh, you know, like that, that that's what that triggered is like you do have to balance that that's uh, it's it's weird like trying to work on that in in the right way and something that i also thought like it took my mind there is training in a lot of senses is enjoyable because it's rewarded you know like you almost need to find a way and this is something that i've been thinking about is finding a way to make like skill acquisition and sports and performance like enjoyable as well Cause that's something like a lot of times like practice is viewed and a lot lifting is a lot of times is viewed as like the grind a little bit, but a lot of times if you go in there and you tell somebody to lift a heavy weight and then everybody's clapping and cheering, like it's no wonder they value the preparation. It's, it's like an instant high. It's like, Oh man, this is awesome. This is amazing. And yet you go on the practice and it's, it's not the same. It's not the same high. It's doing the same thing over and over. And it's almost like finding a way to make that skill acquisition piece and that practice piece that prep or that performance piece rewarding in the same sense, the same high. So you can get them addicted in the same way that you can get them addicted to weights. Like it's, I, I think it's pretty easy to get somebody addicted to weights by just showing it. Cause it's very easy to show progress and it's very yeah. easy to show them heavy weights in that sense. Yeah. Like, well, the first thing I was, I was just thinking about earlier while we were talking was it's like, we're, we're thinking about something so much. We're thinking about, we're thinking about performance. We're thinking about that a ton when in reality, the best performance is when you're not thinking is when you're unconscious, you're so comfortable in the moment that you just flow through it. It's that flow state. And so does it really make sense for us to be so deeply analyzing something that is best done unconsciously? So that's, that that was something I was thinking about earlier, but then, but you're right. Like strength training and lifting is, it's so quantitative and numerical and it's so easy to see progress bigger. Someone said, I look good in the weight room. My biceps look good. I've added 10 pounds to my bench. It's so easy to be rewarded and that's not sport at all because there's so many variables there's there's like you can say there's similar plays but like there's no two sports plays that are the same you cannot quantitatively say this play was better than this outside of points if you want to say but they're all so individual that i think one way you could do that is just like the games we the games we would play this summer where it is like a simple scoring system. Like if you win, if you win this rep, you get a point. That's, that's quantitative. That's, you can easily see progress with that. I mean, maybe also picking up new skills, like working on like a cartwheel. Like we talked about that this summer. Like if you can slowly learn how to do a cartwheel, that is quantitative. That is visual progress. That's easy to see, but like, you don't need to do a cartwheel in a sport. And so it's like trying to find that new skill in a sport. You talked about those games that we did this summer, because something I've been thinking about a lot is Almost trying to find again, it's the balance of yin and yang, because if you make it too quantitative and it's too, all right, you score, you win, then it's to me. And maybe, and this is possibly in my situation of like, we're not sport coaches. So we have a long time and it's like, I want you to explore. I want you to play the game for the sake of playing the game and exploring and learning and doing these things, not for the sake of winning, you know, and we're that switches in the sport mode because when you're in the sport mode you you play for the sake of winning so you need to have the balance of like these games of playing to play so you can explore the 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 world of your body and movement solutions because there's games there's like a lot of times like jared's a good example jared is hyper competitive and if he finds a weakness in a game he's going to exploit it to the t to win and that's where Somebody like Jared, you have to take a step back with him and be like, it's all right if you lose in this sense, because I'd rather have you lose here 
and try to learn a different skill set, try to get your body in a different position and work on different things in this small side of game. Because at the end of the day, this small side of game doesn't fucking matter. You know, like <laughs> this, uh, the model, the ultimate frisbee, whatever we're playing in that sense doesn't matter. And we want to be able to like build for something that does matter. But again, in some sense, everything matters in life, you know? So you have that, like that, the yin and yang balance of that. Cause you also have the other side of it. It's like somebody is not competitive enough at all. You know, like they're not, they're, they're not pushing themselves to a limit. They, they don't want to win. And you almost have to instill the will to win in that person. And, and like balancing that, that's something I've been thinking about a lot that I like that you brought my brain there, but it's like, how, how do you emphasize with an athlete that has been trained? I need to win. I need to win over and over again to the point of, Hey, this is a game. I want you to play, to play, play, to explore and not play to win. And it, maybe it is taking away the score system, but you can't really take away the score system because they, they know who won and who <laughs> lost. Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, in some ways you can just like, okay. So today what, what we did for the soccer team. So uh, I, I think of Davis weight room. We have this room where there's about 20 pull-up bars on in like a circle around the room. And so what we did was split the, split the team in the two, and then you do 20 seconds of just monkey bars, try and explore some movement. And so like, there's no, that's not, that's not a game in the sense that there's points, but it's a game and you're competing against yourself. You're trying to do something new. You're trying to push yourself past your comfort zone. And so I was just like watching that, like trying to watch individual people, seeing who was actually trying new things and who was just kind of hanging there and just like switching which hand they're hanging off of. And it was, I don't know, it was, it was really it was really telling just like who, who was trying to do a backflip off of the pull-up bar that they were, they're the creative players on the field. And so, and the guy, the guys who was kind of hanging there, like from watching practice, like that's kind of how they play soccer too. That's kind of hang there. And so that, that's, that's one, that's one way, I guess, is just like put them in a weird position and let them be there for a while and, and let them kind of rediscover that joy of movement. Cause what I, what I, what I said to them before that is like, you guys probably haven't done this since like first grade. And like in first grade at recess, like it is so much fun. You just run around and it's so much fun to just do stupid things with your body. And they probably haven't done that in a while because they're, they're playing a collegiate sport where the end point is winning and like, it's a serious thing. And so just giving them that, I mean, if you want to say just like silliness, just like do something stupid and, and freedom let them kind of get back into that. Yeah, for sure. Let them fail. Like guys were falling off. Guys were saying this hurts their hands. Like, yeah, well probably do it more than, but, yeah. um, <laughs> um, but then one thing you, you were talking about earlier is that, um, with you, we have like a, a warm up game, for example, like ultimate Frisbee, the end point of that is like, get better at being an athlete. It's not winning. You're not trying to, you're trying to win the ultimate Frisbee game. But that's not the end point, but like with an actual game, that's uh, like a college game, the end point's winning. And like, that's true. But then I also like, we should look past that as well. Like maybe this isn't the role of the individual athlete to look past this at like, if you have the guy who's always trying to win that's asking like, why do you want to win? Like, why, why does that matter to you? And he might have an answer or they might not have an answer. And then that's where you can kind of get it like a deeper and that will probably bring a deeper, deeper motivation too. Cause they'll real maybe they might realize like, I want to win because of this, because of this other reason, because I didn't win when I was younger, I want to be better. And so it might just be having that conversation of like, why is winning important? Because we say winning is important. And that's why um, something I was thinking about earlier was like bringing meaning into training. We're like, we start with a method. We, we start like a training program with like, we want to get stronger. Okay. Why? To get better, to, to get better at sport. Okay. Sure. Why, why do you want to get better at sport to win? Why do you want to win? Just keep going down that rabbit hole. Keep asking why. And that's where I want to start the conversation about training from like, why does sport matter to us in the first place? Once we establish that, I feel like we can get a much more efficient training program because we're going to whittle down what actually matters to us. Is it, if it's winning is important because we want others to feel happiness from this team, then we're going to have a more concise training program because we're so much more focused in our end goal. It's not winning. It's something greater than winning something greater than sport. Cause that's so material. I feel like it's so it's not artificial, but it's not as organic as like, trying to do it for something greater. So well, it, that, was, it, that was a long day, but yeah. No, I mean, that, that that's great because it, it's like getting them to be aware. You know, that, that that's the number one thing that I talk is like, you got to be aware in the first place. You have to bring awareness to what is really driving you. I talk a lot with our uh, UST football guys. It's like, I call him the high school jock. And it's the guy that's like, he wants to win because of the reasons of like, 
he doesn't want to let somebody down. He, he's scared of failure in that sense. So he, he's this high school jock that will never put himself in a situation to fail in the first place because he knows what he's good at. He understands he's, he's going to just push forward. But when you do that, when you, when you are the high school jock, it works for a tiny bit of time. And then the people that are putting themselves in the, they, they have stepped their ego aside or they have became aware of why they want to win because that's a part of it. Is that, that's something that I really like that you brought up because it's part of it. It's, it's not eliminating the want to win, you know, like we, we, our goal is to work with elite performance athletes. Like you can't eliminate the want to win in them. It's like the, the, the philosopher side of you like wants to do that, but it's also like you know, the goal is that they, they want to win. It's understanding and becoming aware of why, like that, that why behind it, and then diving deeper into, all right. So you want to win because of this. That maybe it is a bad reason. There are athletes like the high school jock athlete that it is a bad reason, and then you dive into that's a bad reason to want to win. Like you should not want to win because you don't want to fail. You know, like that. That's a bad reason that you're setting yourself up for a long term failure. Like a long term, you're never going to put yourself on a limb because you never want to fail. You you need to fail. You're going to fail. The flood is going to come. You're going to have that issue. So I love bringing them having him become aware of that because again, that's also going to help with sports performance, which is like this podcast. I, I people say we get too woo woo. Like, <laughs> yes, but like tying it back in, it matters. Like that, that shit matters. You need to have an athlete that is willing to fail once. And like you said, you talked about those monkey bars. It is going to be the coolest thing ever for you. I promise you, you are going to see this is the athlete that has just hung there and just switches arm to arm. Once they have that light bulb moment go on and they start exploring that is going to be the coolest moment for you ever. Because once you have that, you have that athlete and you have them long, long term of they are willing to explore in any sense. And then ideally that transitions onto the field because they, they understand what failure is. They, they put themselves in there. But it's again, giving them that after this whole rant is like giving them that entire freedom to fail as a coach. Yeah, having them understand that it's all right. Having them understand that there's something bigger than just winning for the sense of winning, winning, not just for the sense of not losing. It's like you said, the happiness piece, it's wanting to become better. It's maybe providing for your family and all of those things are going to require failure and failure needs to happen for you to grow. Yeah. It's like, yeah, the, it's, it's not like I'm trying to say like winning doesn't matter like that. Like, like you said, it's, it's trying to find something greater than winning so we can get better at winning. Cause like, that's, that's the end point of sports. That's why we're, that's why you're on a sports team. That's the goal of the team. And so it's not saying wins and losses don't matter. It's getting better things outside of the wins and losses so that the wins can improve. And so, yeah, like, so with the monkey bars, like, yeah, I don't, I don't care if he, I don't, I don't, I don't care if the athlete is like not getting better at the monkey bars, if eventually they can get better at something else. It's just a tool. It's like, I don't care if you get better at these monkey bars. I care for you to try something new and then use that as a tool to improve in other things. If, if the greatest thing you can do on the monkey bars is to go backwards, that's awesome. You did something new. Now let's apply that to something greater. It's yeah. So the, the exercise is not the end point. Like that's so that was one of the first things I said to the soccer team here is like, you guys are going to learn pretty quickly that I don't really care about the exercise. I care about what the exercise is doing and what it's preparing you for later on. Like weight matters. Sure. Exercise, exercise matters. It does. Like that's why I'm programming them. But at the same time, don't see that as the end point, see that as a springboard into something you can do on the field or with your life. It's not the end point. And as much as, as much as it's fun to do that, as much as it's fun to like practice squatting, cause it's fun. It's not the, that's not the finish line. Like, well, it's also the, the, like the end point of the exercise is not just physical, which I think is a hard point for sport and strength coaches to look at some of the stuff that you and I do with the climbing, the crawling. Um, mm-hmm. It's very hard for them to buy into anything of what is the physical benefit? It's like the monkey bars. They're going to look at that and be like, all right, is there a physical benefit? And maybe you can sell them on the physical benefit of the, the arms, the hands, the shoulders, and, and the, yes, all that stuff is great. But the roles, like you're going to talk about this stuff. It's almost the psychological benefit, you know, the, the long-term benefit and programming and exercise, not just for, all right, this is my vertical pull for the day. All right. This is my horizontal push for the day. It's like, how are we working with the, you t- we talk holistic programs. We talk, the, we're going to work with the entire human. Like we say this shit over and over and then we program. All right. I need to hit my vertical pole today. I need to hit my horizontal push. Today. It's like, all right, man, like we're just regressing into our caveman position. It's like, what's the psychological benefit? How are we ebbing and flowing in the psychological part? Are you, are you trying to get them into a flow state? Are you trying to get them to experiment? Where are you trying? Are you trying to get them to experience failure? Uh, is it an athlete that has like low confidence level? Are you trying to get them to win? But like we need to be able to like program, like you said, like the exercise matters, but there there's, 
there's a different, it's not just physical benefits that we're programming exercises for the, the program itself is not just a physical benefit. If you really want to be holistic, you've got to look at it from almost a step back from that. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And so that's why that, that, that's what I see as the point of like the things like the, the monkey bars and like a little story, like just the other day, like this kind of the same thing was, so we've been basically doing, the guys are doing like two days on the field. They're doing soccer practice twice a day. Then they're lifting with me for an hour as well. So like they're, they're busy. They're, they're doing a lot. They're doing a lot. And so I think this was, I, I want to say like Tuesday or something, we played ultimate medicine ball as our warm up in the gym. And so it's, it was like seven on seven. It's ultimate Frisbee with a medicine ball. And so it's, it looks ridiculously stupid, but it's a lot of fun. And so we did that for like 10, 15 minutes. And then we went in and lifted and our coach came in uh tutor. He, he's been awesome. Like I'm, it's been just shout out to tutor. He's been so fun to work with, but uh, he comes in he just asks like, how's the energy looking? Cause this, the morning session with him on the field was like kind of low energy. And like, I hadn't, I didn't know that he came in like towards the end of the workout. And I just, I realized like this was our best lift so far because we did something fun, woke up their brains, got them going in, not like high knees and then leg swings and then a spinal mobility exercise. We played ultimate med ball and now everyone's laughing and having a good time. And they're way more intentional in the exercises. Like I was watching them, like these kids, these guys were focusing so hard on this split squat that I hadn't seen before because they were actually awake. They weren't just going through the motions. They, they had, yeah, they, we, we woke up with a game that got them going outside of their bodies, outside of just the sets and reps. And then if you really, if you really do care about the warm up, about doing all of the mobility drills, just throw them into the workout. They'll just sprinkle them out throughout through and they'll hit them eventually. But if we get their brains going first, get them thinking outside of the sport, outside of the weight room, then they're going to have a lot more energy to bring into the weight room later on. Well, that was a pretty good intro into kind of a little teaser of what a training session with you looks like. But I saw this in your post, you call it the human first training. And I want to know what that kind of, what that kind of means to you and what that looks like. You you mentioned the games and you mentioned the split squats, but what does kind of like a training session with you look like? Why does it look that way? And what are you kind of trying to do with that? Like, what does the human first training program, the workhorse training program really mean? And how do you implement it? Yeah, for sure. So human first, what that means in my mind is it's been something I've been working on for a while. It started with uh, talking to Tommy John about the, his performance pyramid, how the bottom is just basic movement and the top is performance like output. And like, I understood those words, but I did not know what that actually meant until I really worked with you and your guys this summer and saw how much more there is to training. And so what that means literally to me is Human first means at the base of who you are, you're a human. You're not an athlete first. You're not a soccer player first. You're not a weightlifter first. You're not, you're not yourself first. You're a human first. That is the single most defining characteristic of you. And so I think what I don't see enough of from other coaches I've worked with in the past or uh, trained with is that there's way too much focus on what makes you specific what makes you different and not what makes you whole as a human. And so what that literally means, that, that's all like the external like uh, explanation. What that literally means is in a workout, I'm trying to expose these athletes to to the opposite or just different things that what they get from the sport. Cause what they get in soccer is sprinting, cutting, jumping. Uh, what they get in hockey is skating. It's hip abduction. It's, it's a lot of rotation. So what I'm trying to do is give them what they don't get from sport. They already get that in sport. What I want to do is make them better at other things, make them better at maybe, maybe it's hanging, maybe it's playing ridiculous sports, maybe it's crawling, maybe it's rolling or doing anything outside of their sport to increase the base of their pyramid, make them better at being a human so that when they try and get into the skill acquisition to practice the sport, they have a bigger base to build from. They have more movement options. And that's what I'm, so that, that's the base of what like human first is. But then as for like an actual training session, uh, we can go through what we did earlier this week. So the ultimate, let's see, the ultimate med ball game. So we started with um, like an ultimate med ball. We played for like 10 minutes. We didn't do a warm up before because they came straight from soccer practice. So they're already loose. They're already pretty ready to go. So we just hop right into that. We did that for like 15 minutes. And so with this, with the soccer team I'm working with, I started with them in preseason. So I've been working with them for oh about a week and a half now. And so I didn't really have... I guess the time to build a huge base with them. So it's been, it's been a fun challenge to try and like integrate building a strength training base with them to where we can actually train in season, not worry about blowing them up before a game. And so the way I've been trying to do that is through 
a lot of speed work with, with weight and a lot of isometrics because I'm trying to teach them just the movement of like a back squat. I'm not going to load them up, have them do five sets of five with 300 pounds and have them not be able to walk for two days. That is, that's not happening in, in preseason. So what we'll do instead, maybe more of like a, I see you want to call it like a West side barbell dynamic effort where you do just like speed reps. You do like six sets of two really fast, but make sure that form is perfect. Maybe do like a three second eccentric and do a really fast concentric with a, with a lighter weight. That's not going to build a ton of soreness, but it's going to almost teach them that movement, build up a little bit of a work capacity or, or a familiarity with that movement to where later on in the season, when they are more fatigued, I can have them do a little bit of squat volume or maybe even some strength work with the squat. And they'll be used to the movement. If we keep doing that throughout the training session, throughout the this whole season. So that's one method. Also like the isometrics, like I mentioned earlier, doing a lot of work on the soccer guys, a lot of work on uh, groins, hip flexors, um, hamstrings, calves. And so um, that's, that's a huge part of it. I'll usually throw in like two or three isometrics workouts so far. Other than that, it's going to be mostly compound strength work. Like we'll do like a, a Cossack squat. We'll do a barbell RDL, but for the most part, I really care more about the movement about teaching them how to do this movement so we can keep hammering it later on because we're still almost in like the building phase with this team. But I also see this as a, as a long-term, like we're, we're trying to, we're trying to win the national championship this year. Like that's the goal, but I want to work with this team for the future as well. I want to build this up for years. And so if I can teach them these movements right now, we can keep hammering them over and over in the future. And that's really how I structure workout. I, I love throwing in jumps and medicine ball throws just because they're fun. And because lifting is not that fun for a lot of guys. And so slamming a medicine ball is really fun. And so just having them do that, like, sure. Like you, you don't slam a medicine ball in sport. You don't do anything like that in sport, but it's fun. And if I can have them do a, a, a front squat and then a vertical jump or we're, we're measuring to see who can jump the highest and then an ISO, that's gonna be a lot more fun than doing a squat and then some like hip mobility and then an isometric. It's just using the explosive movements as like that carrot in front of them to like, that's the fun part. Get through these other two things, get, get back to the fun part. That's it. I thought one more thing, but I might remember it later, but uh, no, no, I like that layout. Um, that, that kind of like the wet, the West side, I I'm writing a post right now. Uh, it's it, like the title of what I'm working on is like crawls, climb, conjugate. <laughs> it's kind of like the, the three <laughs> things, like be able to do those three C's and you're set. Um, yeah. I want to touch on it, Like, I trying to get out of my own bias. Cause I was like, Oh yeah, I love that. I love that. I love that. What is your, what do you feel like you, the biggest difference from like your thought process and training approach, uh, from like mine is cause like, I, I want to know like, where, where do you see it differentiate? Where do you like add your twist? Um, things that like I would probably have a blind eye to, or I don't see, or maybe it is even just with the soccer guys that you're doing something differently with. Cause like I was reading, like, I was like, Oh yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. I was like, I'm just saying that. Cause I like, like, that's just my bias talking. Where do you, where do you see like the biggest difference in like our approach or uh, I'm tr- trying to like just yeah. your spin on it, like the workhorse, like spin on it. Like what, what is your spin? Cause I don't want, it's not like to be different, to be different, but just like your true and honest differences that you see. Yeah, for sure. So I think to start with like the workhorse part is just like the, the, the word workhorse. I mean, it's almost been thrown around like a, uh, almost like an insult to like, uh, athletes now, where it's like, you just want to focus on the preparation and working really hard and like not really care about the performance. And like to a point that's completely true. That's where the word came from where when I was younger and I was doing some, like uh, some workout with my friends, one of my friends, dads came over and said, every team needs a workhorse. And that's where it came from. And so it is a word that's like, it's almost just put your head down and go. And I feel like I really try hard to balance between having that, which is nose the grindstone work really hard and forget about the results. I try to balance that with what I see is actually good athletes. And that is not true where it's the good athletes care about the sport and not so much, but outside of the sport. And I think I, t- I talked about this on the first podcast, the meathead round table, what you asked, like where that thought process came from when I was talking about how I don't really see training as that important um, because sports are different than training. And that came from my, one of my friends who I grew up playing Joe Miller, who's drafted the NHL. He's not a weight room guy at all, but he is ridiculously good at hockey. And he doesn't really, he works, he works out for sure, but he doesn't really care about the weight room. He cares more about, the, more about the sport. And so I try really hard to balance between my love for training where I just want to train all day. I'll train five times a day. And it's the, it's the best part. I have an amazing time. I have to balance that with the guys who are good at sport, who just want to play sport all day. And so 
I'm, 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 I'm at the same time, I'm trying to, I'm thinking about how, like, how that actually manifests itself into a different training program. And I think it is just, I'm, I try really hard to like adapt the training session throughout it, like watch what's happening, change the exercises, see if something is, if one of, one of our better players is like really getting into something, I might have us do some extra work with that kind of movement, or I'll just, I'll try and steer the training session away from caring, care, caring about weight or caring about reps or caring about the exact exercise and more into reminding them that this is preparation. This is not the end point. This is trying to get you this is building capacity to improve in sport later on. And I think I mentioned this earlier, but just like not letting them get obsessed with the numbers. Like, well, today, I mean, I say that and I'm a hypocrite because today we're doing a front squat and two of the guys asked if they could zurcher it. And like, you know what I said? I said, yes, of course you can. And so, and so then I let them just hit some heavy zurchers. And so at, at, at one time I am trying to steer them away from that meathead mentality, that workhorse mentality where the training is the end point. But at the same time, like that's fun. And if, and if they're having fun in the weight room, that is almost my biggest priority because that means they're going to keep coming in. And then if that's their meaning, if they have fun in the weight room, they keep coming, then they're going to get a lot better if they just have that, that motivation. Because if they just have, if their motivation is coach said so, like, first of all, they're not going to want to do it on their own time. And also what's their intention going to be like when they're in the gym. But if I can give them that opportunity to find the, whatever their motivation or meaning is, then they're probably going to keep coming back a lot more and have that longevity of training. That's going to build a huge base for them that can allow them to improve at sport later on. Well, that that's what we, you talk about the round table. We talked about to will on that same podcast, talking about like the, the 12 week to speed program, everybody wants. And it's like, fuck dude, it's the 12 year to speed, you know, and that that's making sure they are. And the more you look at it, the more it's like, it's just, over and over and over and like years and years and years of training. And the only way to get that done is to find an enjoyable. I have a, I want to know like a real life example. Cause I love that you mentioned that where you are watching like the high level athletes and uh, either a movement that they're struggling in or a movement that they're enjoying and you're, you're shifting the workout live. Can you give me like a real life example of how, how you have kind of done that and like how you've worked? I, I like, really like that thought process. Well, yeah. So that kind of comes into one of the warm up games we're doing. So I want to say this was like our second day I was with the team. Uh, one of the things I had them do was like a bear crawl series. It was almost just like mechanical. It was like do a forward bear crawl from this cone to this cone, then do one of our better players or one of our more athletic players just started like galloping. Like he sprinted in a bear crawl. I was like, Oh, so this is like something that this guy enjoys. I'm probably going to keep doing these kinds of things. If he sees this movement movement as an opportunity to express some pretty impressive athleticism. I'm probably going to keep hammering this. And that's where that, that bear crawl obstacle course came from that I posted where I, <laughs> I kind of, uh, insulted the weight room and just put it, put the benches all over the place, put the boxes everywhere, basically just made the weight room as messy as possible. And then told them to, in a bear crawl, get from one end to the other in some creative way. And that, I feel like that's one example. And I feel like it's, it's much easier to do that with a game or with a movement than it is an exercise, but with an exercise like that, I will watch one of our better players to see if I just say, do three sets of three front squat, make every rep kind of hard, but don't kill yourself on this. I want just some solid reps. If he adds maybe just like a 25 to each side and does super fast reps, maybe that's what he likes, but maybe at the same time, we should probably be steering a little bit towards that. And I might have more of the workhorse guys, more of the, I just want to lift heavy. I might have them tell them to drop some weight, go faster reps. And that, that, that's, that's kind of, that's the example I can think of. It's, it's much more of a, a subjective thing where I'm, I'm saying that more as a goal. Like I want to keep working on that. And it's happened a couple of times, but for the most part, that's just what I'm trying to build the programming off of is if I see this guy doing well, if I see one of our better players doing well with this exercise, I'm probably gonna keep doing it more. If I see them doing well with a jump, that's probably a jump. I want everyone. I want the other guys doing as well. So, yeah, I like that. In how, how long have you been at Gus Davis is three weeks, two weeks. Uh, I think like two weeks, two weeks. two weeks. Yeah. Okay. What I'm, I'm, I'm interested in uh, what has been like the biggest struggle or the biggest like unknown piece that has popped up for you that you're like, Oh shit, I got to kind of like adapt or adjust, or I need to back off. Is has there been any, like any, Oh shit moments that you think, like our kind of learning moments that you think you were like, okay, this is, this is different. This is a little different than the garage gym or Yoakum strength or the private sector. Yeah. So I think one thing that's kept me on my toes a lot is just like injuries. Like guys get injured during practice and they come in and they say, I can't use my hand. 
and it's like upper body day. Like, all right, let's let's think of some new things to do because you cannot hold it. You can't hold weight right now. So we got to be creative. Um, that's been one struggle. So we, we have one guy who um, is an injured finger. So we keep that. That's what, that's what I'm talking about. He can't hold on to anything with that hand. And so I, I just try to find ways to change the exercises. Maybe it's loaded in one hand. Maybe it's we have we have safety bars like the SSB bars. So maybe use those instead of like anything else for an upper body, uh, lower body exercise. Just throw it on your back and it's going to stay there with one hand. And so that's been one. I mean, it's not exactly a struggle. It's more of the opposite. It's just like having more access to equipment makes training a lot easier because I have a lot more tools at my disposal to where if I'm in the garage or if I'm with you, we've got a barbell and we've got some dumbbells. And if you can't do that, we are kind of screwed. So having some other tools at Gustavus has been nice, but um, in terms of struggle, I think, I think trying, just trying to adapt to their, to their soccer practice loads because I'm, I'm in contact. Like I'll talk to the coach about, or I'll talk to the guys as well about like how was practice today. And they'll say, Oh, we did a half hour of conditioning. Like, all right, I probably got to change the lift a little bit. And if we do some kind of thing to warm up and they are slow and they are bored, like we really, we probably should not be hammering it too much today because they've already been crushed. And so it's just, it's really just staying on my toes and just like being reactive to what I'm seeing, what I'm hearing. But overall, like it's been awesome. I don't really have a big struggle that I'm really working on every day. I, I like that. That was good. That was a good example. Cause it's, it is like, you have this whole, like, perfect lift. And this, this is funny. Like you come out like the CSCS and like you, you get know all these programs, you have perfect lift plan. It's like, yeah, yeah I comes in with you. you fucking broke his hand at practice. You're like, well, you know, like <laughs> that perfect lift doesn't mean shit. Now you got to figure, figure something out, but you are right. Like with the, the, these um, million dollar facilities, there's usually, there's usually a workaround with it. It's just being right. adaptable enough to be able to work with that. Uh, before we get into uh, one of the main questions that I want to ask, well, ask you, uh, I want to ask about kind of the the nature training that you yourself have implemented, because it's something that I, I kind of found myself transitioning to, especially when we're at the old gym and we, uh, we're kind of forced to, uh, you're, you're forced to be outside. You're forced to work with some of the trees and some of the, the rocks and do some stuff outdoors. And I see you doing a ton of it in your own individual training. What have you kind of been experimenting with? How have you liked it? How, what have you taken from it? Uh, kind of your whole approach to the nature part of training. Absolutely. Yeah. So I would say my, my current reasoning for why I'm in the forest throwing logs or why I'm trying to jump over a tree or something like that is because I've, I've, I've came to this, like this idea, like last week was that everything in the weight room or everything that's like prepared for training is built towards efficiency. Like a barbell is designed so you can lift the maximum amount of weight possible as efficiently as possible. But the, the irony of that is that in training, most of what we do in training is designed to be inefficient. Like doing a six second eccentric is less efficient than doing a, a faster eccentric. And so why are we using tools that are designed for efficiency if our training is, is, is geared towards being inefficient? And so that just led me towards how can I use the weight room wrong in, in ways that are inefficient that are probably going to also it's going to help me think of new exercises as well. Just doing things wrong, trying to use ex, uh, tools in new ways. But then as for nature, like you go to a forest and if you say, I have to do a workout, I need to find something that looks like a barbell and something that looks like a dumbbell. Otherwise I can't work out. Like how close-minded are you? Like you gotta be a little creative. And so that's where I've been really enjoying like the, the outdoor training is like, I cannot do a back squat in a forest. And I try, there's a video on my Instagram of me trying to last year, where I got this log and I spent like a half hour trying to get this log on my back. So I could just, <laughs> like, why did I do that? Like, why did I, why was I so obsessed with trying to figure a way to squat in the forest? Like if I want to squat, go to the weight room. And so what I'm trying to do is it goes back to that human first training is like, do things that are not efficient, do like use a log and throw it or use a log and carry it in a stupid way or do sprints on a slippery forest floor to where you have to be more conscious of your movement to where you might hit a deer by accident. So try and keep your head up. And so that's, that's like kind of my thought process of like why I think this is a useful tool. And it's not, it's not like in nature. I'll get, I'll get to nature in a second, but it's not nature because it's nature. Like for example, like the log that you have in your gym or the log you gave to me that you had in your gym. When I first saw that, I thought it was, we're trying to like bring in some like natural scenery into the gym. And like, there's probably a little bit of that, but also it's, it's thick and it's hard to hold on to. So it's good for dead hangs. And it's good for doing like inverted rows because it's a new tool that's inefficient. That's hard to hold on to. And so it's not nature for nature's sake. It's finding things that are not 
perfectly artificially manicured towards efficiency and ease because ease is not the goal of training like this this is like this is my favorite thing to talk about like the like the, the purpose of adversity and like if we're trying if we're using training as a tool to manufacture adversity so that we can we can overcome the adversity get better as a result why are we doing things that are so easy why are we using such a thin barbell that is designed to hold as much weight as possible that's 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 the opposite of what training is training is supposed to be hard so why are we doing the easiest things we can and so it's 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 tough to uh, implement with a team because I I mean I'm probably going to end up bringing the team into the forest and giving them logs and saying throw these but it it's it's also it's a thought experiment for me of like how can I make this weight room harder like how can I make these exercises more inefficient to make them harder so that they create the adversity that I want to see because a lunge is easy how to make the lunge harder how do you make this harder that that that's like that's what I'm thinking and then for the nature part. It's just, it's fun to be outside. I like being outside. It's more fun than being in a gym usually. And so if I can find a field or a forest or a river or a creek that I can do some kind of movement in, I'm going to choose that over an indoor artificially lit room. No, I fucking love that, dude. That That's the entire like tire thing that I've been trying to push is like you said, like training the goal, like I don't, I'm trying, I'm seeing it even less and less because I used to be like, oh, I train hard. I am hard. Like I used to be right. majorly in that mindset. And then like you take a step out and you look at like truly hard people and it's like, what? you're right. Like training's fucking easy. Like we're just, ma- we're making it so easy. And as we go forward, we're making it easier. We're making it more like biomechanically efficient. We're using smaller barbells. We're using more balanced barbells. It's like, Jesus Christ. Like the whole point of training is to give you something hard, to give you a stimulus, to level you up. If the, if we just continue to make it easier and easier, because we don't want hard. Like what, what is the point? Like, why are we going in there? Like that, that gets me fired up. Like to a T it's like, I watched my grandpa, like my grandpa would beat the fuck out of me. He's 70 years old, man. Like he has never touched a weight in his life. It's picking up random shit. Like I, that we, uh, I can't remember. Is this like old motor that we were picking up? And it's like, geez, you're just grabbing random sharp pieces of metal and picking it up, <laughs> carrying it. And I'm like there. And I promise you, like I'm by far, like, not the strongest strength coach, even close to it, but I like, I can hold my own in a weight room. I'm picking this up and my grandpa would go in a weight room and probably get shit on. Like he probably wouldn't be very good just because he's not used to those movements, but we both picked this motor up and he schooled me. Like it was nothing. And it's like, all right, that is hard. That is strength. That is like training. That is what it should be like. And the point that you said is like, we need to stop making it easier. We need to stop like yeah, it's funny. It's like fat grips, like fat grips came on. It's like, all right, well, all dumbbells used to be that thick, you know, like stuff used to be that thick. That's what we used to grab onto. It's just, we've, we've downregulated. I think it's, um, it's anti-fragile where they talk about, we've got like, we've got to a point of, we went from barefoot to like elevating our shoes to a level to now it's like, we're going back to na- like nature's level of like just barefoot. Like you're going back to barefoot shoes. Like, why are you buying barefoot shoes? Just go barefoot, which is like <laughs> same thing. Like, why are we buying fat grips? Just grab something thicker, you know, and, and in that sense. And it's not always that easy. It's like, you, you have to wear shoes places. You have to lift dumbbells. But I, I really love that, that thought process. And it's really something that I do want to, I need to find a way to implement with a team setting more. Cause it's like at Yoakum Strength, I mean, I have all the freedom in the world to be able to do that. Same, I'm sure the same with work hours. Like we can, I mean, we'll tell those guys to run through a wall and they'll run through the wall. We'll tell them to go run through the forest or run through the forest. But you got a team of like 150 athletes and it's like, all right, how, how do we make this? How do we bring some of this in? Which was my attempt with the log is like a little bit of thought process. Like how can we start to bring this stuff in? You know, how can we start to make easy stuff harder in the weight room? And I think that's just going to be a journey that you and I probably continue we're probably if we you and i design a weight room eventually it's just going to be like trees log branches and shit like that exactly that, that's only an awesome weight room to me just or just don't build a weight room just go outside yeah yeah just put a like canopy over a tree and then you'll be good uh and then the final question before we get to a rapid fire rounds and it's something that i've been teasing you about since the very so we uh we did intern presentations and your first presentation you did you mentioned the question you asked yourself during the presentation, why does the world need another strength coach? And I thought that was a phenomenal question. Like, I'm like, that, that's a fucking good question. Why does the world need another strength coach? Mm-hmm. I'm interested about three months later, what your thought process on that question is. How, how have you kind of expanded those thoughts? Why does the world need another strength coach? Yeah, for sure. So I came to think about that question when I was, I was having, um, I got you know, like doubts. I was having doubts about like last year. I was thinking like, do I really want to go into a career where I'm a strength and conditioning coach? And I was like, so I was thinking about that. And I was thinking like, 
of everything I can do in the world, I could try and be some researcher and try and help people with science or try and be a teacher, or try and do something. Why is it that I think the best use I have for the world is teaching, teaching people how to lift weights? Like, is that really the most value I can bring into this world? And so now I'm just trying, I'm trying to live up to that basically. And so what I think the reasoning for why I justify being a strength coach is I'm really trying to bring a bigger picture and a bigger outlook and a deeper meaning to training and sports. Um, because I, was, I, I mentioned this earlier, but like everything I see with a training session, with a training methodology, it starts with, it starts with methods and not reasoning or justification. And the, like, I think the reason for that is because it's efficient for sure. And also the assumption that the reasoning has been done and the reasoning being why does training matter? Why does sports matter? And so I think I really want to give people just to the athletes I work with, I want to give them the option to explore the deeper meaning of their training. And so it's not giving them this lecture. It might be talking about it, but at the same time, what I think it is, is giving them a space to explore to where they need to have a meaning. And that might be a long duration isometric. Like you can, if you want to go long, you cannot go in there and just, <laughs> you can't just hit smelling salts and be angry and just try and hold it for as long as you can. Cause I've tried that and it doesn't work. <laughs> that anger wears off. It doesn't work. You need to have something greater. And so that might be an isometric where you need to have a meaning and it might be, it might be a heavier lift, but it's not the one where you blast Metallica and have your friends scream at you. It might be the one where you have to be calm. And if you have a situation like that, where if you don't have something within you, that's driving you, that's pushing you, then you can't do it. Or it might be something that's the opposite, opposite spectrum of that, where it's not an endpoint, it's not a number. It's, it's the challenging creative movement. It's trying to learn how to do a somersault. It's trying to learn how to do a front flip. It's something where if you don't have something driving you, keeping you there, it's not going to happen. And so that's what I see my role as, is like giving these options, giving these opportunities for people to explore who they really are. Cause that, cause that's what training is. It's, it's a tool to improve, but it's also a tool to explore who you are. And that's where, that's the biggest uh, benefit I've seen from training myself. Cause like, I love training and sure it's fun. I like, I like hitting big numbers, but also I learned so much more about myself because I learned what matters to me. I learned what people matter to me. I learned what, what about me matters? What, what do I love about myself? And what do I hate about myself? It gives me that chance to almost be like my, from the busyness of the world to where I can be alone with myself and my thoughts and go deep into who I am. And so that's what it is. It's giving people a space to do that. And so I'm going to, I mean, I'm going to keep going down the, the counter argument. Like if I want to be a strength coach, why give it? And I have that justification, but now I want to go against that. Like at the same time, that's really inefficient. Like, I don't know how I have ideas of how I'd implement that, but at the same time, like I can't, I can't focus a training session on meaning. I got to get these guys stronger more resilient, faster. I got to focus on that. I have to find ways to implement my met, my meaning, my, my goal for these guys into a training session. So that's hard to do. And also like, this is really overthinking it. I, I said this earlier, but like, let also like let athletes be athletes, let them escape with training or sport. Like I, I don't want to approach this athlete. I'm trying to help improve as like a science project where I'm like dissecting their mind. Like, why do you want to train? Why do you want to be better? Like keep questioning them and cutting them down. That's that's not, that's not helping anyone. And because people love sports, because in some ways they're an escape, they're an escape from the overthinking of the world and the, of the analysis of the world constantly of themselves. And so that's, that's like the line I'm trying to straddle is like, how do I actually do this? And it's not lecturing them. I think it's just putting them in a position where they can find who they are, find meaning. That's what it is. Teach them. Well, no, I, I, I absolutely love that. I have a couple of things that I want to branch off there. I just read the Zen in the art of archery. And one of the lines that I really loved in there, it was, you have to experience your own shipwreck before you want the life jacket that I have for you. And I, I like, I liked that a lot is like, like you said, like you're not going to go up to somebody and be like, Hey, what's your meaning? You know, <laughs> like, they're like, what, what the fuck are you talking? Like, and, and you're not, you're not going to go up to me like, Hey, this is my meaning. Believe in me. You know, like, that's not how it works. It's that person has to want that life jacket. Once they want the life jacket, like you need to be ready to throw that life jacket. That's you. That's what I view a role as a coach, as a leader. Like you have to have your foundation set. So when they are drowning and they are, they need something, you are able to throw that. Cause there's people out there that aren't even able to throw the life jacket because they themselves are drowning. So you, you have that, like you have to be there to throw the life jacket, but you're not strapping life jackets on everybody and being like, Hey, this is, this is this, this is this. Exactly. It's like that that's never going to work. 
and they're never going to care in the first place if they're not actually looking for the life jacket. But the other part is like, you talk about you need to have meaning and how how can we play with this as coaches? And one of the, you talked about music because that's something that you can definitely do is take away music from people. It, <laughs> Michael, like D'Angelo was a great example of this, like play shitty music, see how they respond, see how they do it. Like, do they have a meaning? Do they, Are they just ebbing and flowing and using that music as a distraction? And there's for sure time to do that. There for sure times to crank up Metallica, fucking smash weights and do it and like that is a part that there's a lot of people in the world that need to be able to get to that point they need to be able to enter that state and go but there's also a lot of people that can't get out of that so they cannot get out of that state or like just flow back from it and you find out real quickly you, you'll do country fridays you'll play like shitty like um i i like music but like billy ellish like eilish ellish i don't know you you play her like during a whole session see how they do like are they complaining about it like really that's where your mind is at right now during this session like you you're letting this take you places like being able to play with some of those things i think is a part of it and the final part that i've really tried to do is like just give them a space in which they can be themselves you know like it is the escape but it's the escaped to themselves because a lot of society is not being yourself for a lot of people. It's sitting in a classroom, wearing what you're supposed to wear, being like that person. It's like, all right, this is your space to be yourself. Like wear what you want to wear. I, I try to wear like mismatching socks. I try to wear the goofiest shorts. I try to wear the goofiest shirt. I grow up my hair. Like if I can do it, like you need to be able to come here and you need to be able to be yourself. Like we're not going to wear the same fucking uniforms. We're not going to do this. Like this is your time to escape reality and be yourself. Like, who do you want to be? Do you want to come here and goof around and be yourself? Or do you want to come here and that's what you want to wear? Perfect. Like we're totally all right with that. What do you want to talk about? Can you create a conversation in that sense? Can you be real with them and let them be real? That that's one of the coolest things. Like yoke and strength personalities. Oh my God, dude. Like, <laughs> it, like part of it's, it's like part of it's like as a coach, you're like, Oh my God, we need to dial some of this back. But then part of me is like, man, that's exactly what we're trying to create. Yes. Like at some points it's a little much, it gets like a little loud. It, it's a little bit crazy. It's like, all right, what, what are we talking about here? But in the other part, it's like, that's who they are. Like we need to put fuel into that. We need to put logs on that fire of like, Isaac, that is your personality, man. Like, let's embrace that. Let's go forward with that. That is who you are. Let's continue to push that. And I think just giving them that space, because again, you can't force that on them. Maybe they aren't big personality people. That's perfectly all right. Not everybody is, but you need to give them a space in which they're able to do it. It's, it's not, hey, we're all yelling. Hey, we're all quiet. Hey, we're all, it's like, no, hey, we're us. You know, like, hey, we, we have the environment to be us, which is something that I think is super powerful. And kind of the, on, the only way that I know so far on how to do that, how to really get that athlete to be themselves and pursue something that is meaningful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> that's it, man. That's it. We did it. We're at the rapid fire rounds. Last All couple right. questions. I think I know the answer to the first one, just based off your so. summer, but <laughs> favorite books that you think the listeners can get a lot out of. For sure. So this summer I read the Iliad. Um, there it is. It took me all summer. It took me way longer than it. I thought it would probably longer than it should have, but it, 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 it gave me what I, what I was looking for. It gave me a meaning beyond training. It was, it's, it's not a training book at all, but I took so many training lessons out of it is that, and what, like one of them, like my favorite word of the summer is glory. Like that, that's like the motivating factor for the characters in the Iliad. And that's like a, that's a fun thing to have. It probably shouldn't be like your motivating factor for everything in life, but glory can be a fun thing to work for for a little bit. So absolutely, people should read the Iliad or just read any heroic story. That's a great choice. Boom. And then the last question of the podcast. When all this coaching stuff is over, when the world doesn't need another strength coach and you're on kind of the deathbed, what do you want your legacy to be? Yeah. So I think I, mean, I, I touched on this a little bit, but it's just expanding the horizons of training. It's expanding it beyond science, beyond sets and reps, beyond the exercise selection. And that those are absolutely things that you need to know, I think, but it's not the end point. It's expanding that into the world of maybe it's literature, maybe it's anthropology, maybe it's history. Look at training through a different lens and you're going to find some new answers. So that's one thing I want to be, that's what, that's my legacy is that. Also, get a get the world record for the full zercher. I'm working on that. What is that? I don't know. I think it's like 600. I've seen videos. It's... I've seen a 600 video. I think Bugenhagen hit a 550. But I saw Instagram had a 600. So I got some work to do. But 
It's doable though. If it's only 600, you got that easy. Oh, I got that. I got plenty of time. Hey, drop, drop that number in there. 435. 435. No big deal. From the ground. 435. <laughs> check out the reel. The fact they didn't go viral blows my mind. You, you got to work on those Jake Glaze angles. <laughs> Blocking. Thanks for being on, dude. This was awesome. Thank you so much. Had a blast. Crushed an hour and 20. I think we got, I got a whole page of notes here that I think, I think we got some good rants. Hopefully people get something out of this. I hope so too. That was really fun. Boom. Thank you guys for listening. Keep chopping wood. Thank you for listening. Join us next week as we dive down another rabbit hole. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to like, subscribe, and leave a five-star rating. Follow us on Instagram at Austin Yoakum to stay updated on future podcast guests. Keep chopping wood.